gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Nation of Junkies? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Sunday night for your Monday morning delivery. Excited to talk to you for the next hour or so as we discuss UFC in Paris. Eh, it's got one of those numbers, Fight Night, ESPN Plus, whatever. I was hashtagging UFC Paris all weekend, so that's what we'll call it on the show. It's headlined by Cyril Gon versus Tai Tuivasa. We'll talk about that fight, the card, and some of the news that came out of that show, as well as some of the news related to the sport we'll discuss that as well don't forget we have a watch along on saturday september 10th six days from now for ufc 279 it's going to be just like always nine fights that will be together four fights on the prelims five on the main card and there's even going to be a pre-fight show as well with Farah hanoon so we'll talk about all that. We'll give you plenty of reminders throughout the week. Let's get the show started. Goes, what did you think of the main event at UFC Paris? It was UFC Fight Night Gone versus Tuivasa or UFC Fight Night 209 or UFC on ESPN plus 67, these heavyweights put on a show. It made the night for me. It was, I don't want to say it's one of the greatest heavyweight fights of all time, but it's, it was fun. And it's why you tune in to see the heavyweights. I thought both guys came out and did their absolute best. I think Tai Tuivasa in a loss still kind of showed that he's out there, uh, trying to improve his game, taking his career serious. And Cyril Gone, I think, was able to prove to everybody that uh, already going into this was a good fighter. But I think he showed some improvements uh, in his mental IQ and just uh, the way he handled everything. I thought it was pretty solid, but I really felt like the the main event is what carried the card. Yeah. Well... I also like the co-main event, but only certain aspects of it, and we'll get into that in just a sec. But yeah, it was very, very top-heavy for this fight card. And at times, it looked like a polished mixed martial artist who should be a 5-1 to favorite against a brawler with heavy hands. And then there were other times where it looked more evenly matched, like anything can happen, and anything did happen, because in round two, Tai Tuivasa knocked down Cyril Gon. Then he even had a nice follow-up punch against the fence. Where and if that lands flush, you don't, you never know, man. We might be talking about shoeies and and saying oi, 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 you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, Sirogan recovered pretty quick and then came back and then he just he just picked them apart. I mean, beautiful kicks to the stomach, kicks to the leg, punches, uh, knees. But he really focused on the body with kicks and knees, mostly kicks that just, A, kept throwing off Ty from, I guess, being able to set up and, and and you know, throw some hands. B, they were damaging. You know, a couple of them were actual kicks to the body, um, and then others were like teep kicks, front kicks. 
that were just mm, jamming them, mm, jamming them. You know what I mean? Uh, and so, like I say, he he was playing chess at times, and then other times he had some really really hard strikes. And of course, the finishing sequence can't take anything away from Cyril there. That was the only thing that I found odd about Tai Tuivasa's performance was he gets labeled as a brawler a lot, but I think he he can be a brawler. I think he's a technical brawler. But he had a little moment that kind of reminded me of what Daniel Cormier went through with Stipe when he kept getting hit in the body. And it was kind of like you were like, ooh, he's lucky to survive that one. That looked like it hurt. And then another one. And then another one. And another one. And they kept coming. Uh, I don't know if Tuivasa just couldn't figure out how to defend that or if he was just too open to being a tough guy yeah. and trying to fight through him and take him. I don't know what was really going on there, and I'd love some for somebody to ask him about that. But other than that, um, you got to give Cyril Ghosn his props. Like the way he came out and just really tried different things and stuck to what was working, it was a great performance. But at the same time, he did get put down. I mean, that that's what's so great about this fight. And when we were breaking it down and talking about all the different things that could possibly happen, they all kind of did. It just came down to who really. Uh, put their foot on the gas when it went their way, and that was Surreal Gone. Yeah, and Tai Tuivasa could not get his kicks going. Surreal Gone did a good job of switching stances quickly, alternating his lead leg, and not leaving it out there for Tai Tuivasa to throw, you know, the leg kicks that have been damaging in the past, and instead got his own going. But I think, yeah, to answer your question, I think Tai Tuivasa felt like the first couple may have hurt, but I'll be all right because he's going to catch these hands before you can do that again. But he wouldn't catch the hands because Cyril gone. Every time he did it, he kept resetting them. Then Cyril gone would land a couple that really, really hurt him. And that would really start to slow Cyril gone down. Um, he also landed some nice punches on Tai Tuivasa. Now, Tai Tuivasa seems to be one of those that gets enraged as he gets hurt. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of goes into like a zombie like mode, you know, and. Uh, a lot of fighters don't have, I guess, that, that mm, what do you call it, like those toughness fibers, that 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 gene, you know, that extra layer, I guess, of, of, uh, of toughness or having big balls or whatever you want to call it where you kind of thrive on it or it gets you going, I guess. Maybe, maybe somebody just, when they punch you, there's a lot of people that, Mm, I don't want to say it the wrong way. Like, you know, when Rocky was getting hit in the first one and, and I think Paulie says, no, no, he's not getting hit. He's getting mad. Well, yeah, he was getting mad, but those hits were actually adding up too. So you got to have to find a balance where how, how mad can you get before you finally better just to start doing something. Um, but he does have this extra layer of toughness where like he will just keep plotting and going forward. And I'm not so sure surreal might have that. Cyril looked concerned at times, especially after he got hit. But once he got going, you know, he started, like I say, picking them apart. But I think Cyril gone definitely, you know, Taitui Vasa definitely got his attention, man, with some of those with some of those hard punches, uh, uppercuts, couple shots, you know, behind the ear. Um, it was really, really nice, but there, there just wasn't enough of it. And Cyril gone was really in control for most of the fight. I'm so used to in boxing a, a knockdown being way, way more 
valuable because you're all you're instantly looking at a 10-8 round, you know. But in MMA, like I said, he punched him or he knocked him down, then he went in for a follow-up. But the Sirogan got up so fast that it take didn't take him that long to almost like wipe off that knockdown and basically take control of the fight again. Yeah, you know, when you look at the situation the way it is now, you look at a guy like Taitui Basa and you say, okay, this isn't that much difference different than where Surreal Gone was, right? Now, he doesn't necessarily have to reinvent himself. All he has to do is do what Surreal Gone did. Just go back to the drawing board and just tweak a few things. I think Taitu Ivasa needs to just go back and tweak a few things, and he could be right back in another position because people love him so much as a character, as a fighter, that he could be right back where Surreal Gone is today, right? With that opera, I guess, sorry, Saturday, where the opportunity to prove that he can still contend for a title. He put down the number one guy. You know, he put him down in round two, almost finished him. Just a little tweak here and there, and this dude can be back. But you have to kind of look at the way uh, his face looked going in and the way it looked going out. You, I don't want to say he's not going to be the same because I don't think it was to that uh, extent, but you can't let that happen over and over. Because, you know, little by little, even guys like, the guy that we compare this guy the most to, Mark Hunt, he used to take every shot in the world, but towards the end, he could still take a shot, but he couldn't take him the way he used to. And, and Mark Hunt depended on that so much. And I think Taito Ivasa kind of depends on that a little bit as well. So just tweak a few things and you'll be right back into the picture. But holy crap, man, surreal gone. And what he did, like you said, uh, he laid a blueprint for uh, a rematch with Francis Ngannou that I think be pretty damn interesting. I always wonder about some of these guys that are big and tough if they couldn't become more athletic. And by that, I mean shed a few pounds, add a little bit of muscle, and really, really focus on strength and conditioning and then also kind of just clean up your diet. Now, I'm not talking about a whole revamp. I'm not talking you need to look like a bodybuilder out there. But still, as you were talking, I was thinking about the Mark Hunts, the Roy Nelsons, the the Tank Abbots, Scott Ferrozos. I'm going old school, you know, a, a bunch of big, big, heavy brawlers that were a little a little flabby here and there, giving up, like, some muscle where they lock up with their opponent and the opponent can just throw them around. But because they're so tough and they can take two of your punches just to deliver one, they get away with it, but they get away with it only to a certain point. Now, out of all those guys that I named, no one held an undisputed belt that I remember. Roy Nelson had an IFL belt. Okay, that's something to be proud of. Um, and then did Mark Hunt win an interim? I got. I'm gonna look that one up. I I, I remember. No. No, right? Or yeah. No. No. Okay. Ferrozo Tank Tank never even won the tournament. Tank made the finals, and then he made the finals of an Ultimate Ultimate. Ferrozo beat Tank um kimbo you know same thing although kimbo was in shape so he was a brawler but he was in shape but i just wonder like i don't know i mean i know you do but if the audience will follow me on this one but a andy ruiz did you see the shape he put himself in for the fight that's happening tonight mm -hmm. compared to the slob he was which he got away with a few times yeah. but he became a real big slob in this in the anthony joshua number two fight but then he tightened things a little bit up and i'm just wondering if you know if he could do it i see that same type of body body type or shape in uh in some mma fighters i wonder if they could do something like that that could be the difference we've seen it happen a lot and 
in almost every sport, uh, which is weird because we still have these athletes that kind of almost make it seem like a light bulb went off and, and they discovered something that, you know, everybody's been talking about for years and years. But let me ask you this, though. What do you think happens if Surreal Gone faces uh, Stipe Miocic? I'm trying to figure out what is the biggest challenge for Francis Ngannou right now. It's hard to say John Jones because we don't know what the fuck he's going to look like. Right? He's a great fighter. There's no doubt about that. But he's in a different weight class. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Who do you think is the better fighter between Stipe and Surreal if those two fought? It's so weird because in the first fight, Stipe was able to wrestle Francis and tax him. I remember Francis was breathing hard in round two, and basically his punches just weren't as effective. But then in the second fight, Francis may have fought as perfect as possible, even out wrestling Stipe. Uh, Stipe's now a lot older than he was in those fights, but he's only like three years older than Francis. Um, more wear and tear for sure. Um, I, I'm it may have to be surreal gone, believe it or not. That that's still because of the frame where he can match his size, strength, and reach. It may be him. Wow, by the way, I don't know if you remember this. Every once in a while, listeners will bring stuff up that I completely forget. But, uh, do you remember when Scott Ferrozo? And Tank Abbott called into the show. It was a day when you weren't there. And uh, uh, it was a day when you weren't there. And um, they just called in because they wanted to promote a fight in the backyard. They were going to actually have it in the backyard. It was one of the weirdest things, that one of the weirdest calls we've ever taken. I can't remember who the co-host was at the time. But Scott Ferrozo, man, we spoke to him for, I don't know, a good 15, 20 minutes or something like that. And he just wanted to fight in the backyard. Are you sure I wasn't there? I think so. I want to say it might have been Layman, but but you might it have. Kind of rings there. a bell, but I may have been even when I wasn't on the show, whether I was in Brazil or Peru, because I remember Mark Layman subbed for me once and Joey Varner subbed for me once. I would still tune in, so I am familiar with the show and what may or may not have happened. But you're literally talking about 2009, 2011. So it was either 13 years ago or 11 years ago. So yeah, I, I oh man, 3200, almost 3300 shows. You don't, you can't remember it all, but I know what you're talking about. That was part two of uh, Ferrosa versus Tank Abbott, right? And it was in the backyard in Ohio, I think. Something like that. Yeah, I remember that being <laughs> being very a very awkward interview. And they recreated basically a little bit of what Gannon, Sean Gannon, the policeman from my um, Boston, and Kimbo Slice did, where one guy flew to the other guy, you know, because Kimbo was from Miami. He flew to Boston. Details were far and few in, in between. This wasn't a publicly promoted show, and it was just going to happen within the confines of, we'll call it a fighting area, but not necessarily an actual proper cage or ring or anything else. And In the case of Gannon and for uh, Kimbo, it looked like not even the gym. It looked like a, you know what it looked like? It almost looked like a, an office building, but with like a little area, you know, like a little mini dance floor. I don't know, man. It was hard to describe because a lot of it was kind of blocked off. I'd have to watch it again. 
and then and then the Ferozo and Tank they did it in the backyard. But um, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it was weird, man. Yeah. So you well, think look, you think you think Surreal Gone beats uh, Stephen Miocic? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I I'm concerned with Surreal Gone getting knocked down by Tai Tuivasa. Okay, so. Prior to that happening, I was about to tweet and I didn't, but it won't matter. It's not like I pride myself on being some analyst, you know, on the level of a Dan Tong who catches these things early. But I remember saying goes that when he backed up his chin, he was leaving the chin out. And then Gooden or one of those guys, either Gooden, Felder, and Bisping also noted not only that, but him having his hands down. But I saw that it was out there to be touched. So Miocic is more polished with his hands. He just doesn't pack the – his hands aren't as heavy as Tuivasa's, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a good question, man. He's 6'4", Tuivasa's 6'2". Six, six Miocic probably has a longer reach, and he's a little bit more polished. So – and then he's got the wrestling if he needs to. I would. I think I'd go with the younger guy. Versus the guy that hasn't fought in almost two years, even though he's a former champ and arguably the greatest heavyweight of all time. I think I'd go with Gon. Gon did look impressive. When he was on, he was on on Saturday. Let's not take that away from him. So I would go with Gon, but I think it would be close. And if I didn't watch the fight and you told me later on, dude, Miocic won it, I wouldn't say, you're crazy. Like, I, I would believe that, too. I still I think, think Miocic has gas left in his tank. I agree with you. But um, there's a little piece of me that that for as good as Surreal Gun looked, when you look at the career that Stipe has and the experience, I think there's something to it. But I, I think if you put a gun to my head, if if Gun can recreate the way he fought Tuivasa and how good he looked, I think he would probably win. But I think it'd be a really good fight. You know what's one thing I'm I'm trying to figure out is. You would think that with the the evolving of the game and strength and conditioning in particular, that some of these fighters would be in better condition. And here's what I mean. I'm not saying that they're not. But with some of them starting to get bigger paydays, I just wonder, man, if if they don't cut any corners. What I am noticing is a lot of fighters, like I remember seeing Marlon Marias go five rounds, but towards the end of the, his career, he would gas like in a, in a round and a half. And I was like, what happened to this guy? You know, like where it's just, and you know where it comes from usually goes? Hmm. Um, an, a, some wrestling. Usually against the fence, you'll see a guy trying to take someone down once or twice, and if he can't, Whew, he takes a lot of deep breaths just to compose himself and catch himself. And the guy that's still standing is like, mm-hmm, nice try. And they start to take things over a little bit. Um, and, and, the, and I remember there was other fighters that could just do it, you know, all day and, and not seem to get as tired. So I just don't know if some of these fighters maybe don't do the rounds like they used to or what it is. But um, I don't know, man. I, I I think I'm sure Miocic wants to be champ again. But if he gets in that octagon with Cyril gone and it ain't going, 
early. I don't know if he's got the scratch and the claw and the will to go through that wall, that brick wall, and dig deep and try and get his title back. I think a lot of them mentally just say, ah, this ain't it. I ain't got it. It's over. I'll finish this fight, get in cruise control, give my back up, get out of here. Nice career. And then when it's all over, they're like, damn, why didn't I dig deep? Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? They know it. You can see it in their face as soon as the fight's over. If they had the best camp ever or if they didn't. Like, here's an example. Paulo Costa, I I was doubting him. I was doubting that he might wait, make weight, that he might not um, win. But that dude would not go away. And Luke mm-hmm. Rockhold was tough as nails, right? But I believed Costa when he said, man, I'm ready to do this again because that guy had gone above and beyond and made sure that he wasn't going to be tired and that he was going to make weight. And so what he wanted to do was build on that camp. And he's been saying on social media that he's got a hand injury. And so now he knows there's going to be a setback. And along with the setback is probably going to come an extra 40 pounds that he puts on in the offseason. Then he has to go through it all over again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, I don't know, man. With 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 Miocic, tough wrestler, but a guy that's got another career has been at the top. If it's not going his way, I I you know, he he may just check out. And and uh, I I think Gon's got the type of um the type of skill set to do that to him. Just pick him apart, pick him apart. You saw what he did to Ivasa. I think he could do some of that with with Stephen Miocic. Now Stephen Miocic is real willing to walk through that fire. Then, as the fight progresses, I would like Stipe Miocic over Cyril Gaon, especially if they stand a lot. Yeah. By the way, we, eventually we got to get uh, to this. I know we're covering the card. But you brought up Luke Rockhold, and he might not be going away altogether. He didn't really close the door, but but we can get to that later. You know, he had been gone for three years. He went through so much with the UFC. I wonder if if Luke Rockhold. Like, he's 37 years of age, but I've seen this guy go five rounds as well, and he was really tired in the first round. Now, he may tell us, hey, man, Costa really put it on me in that first round, and that's what happened, or maybe it was Salt Lake City or whatever. Who knows? But Luke Rockhold prided himself on being ahead of schedule because he said he was with Cain Velasquez when Cain Velasquez succumbed to Fabricio Verdum because Fabricio Verdum went two months in advance to adjust. And Cain Velasquez only went two weeks in advance to adjust. And Verdum was light years ahead. Now, I think there's another thing to dealing with um, Mexico altitude versus Salt Lake City and Denver altitude and and Albuquerque. Um, I think over there, it's also pollution and it's um, water and food, you know, nutrition. So it's a lot of things you you want your body to acclimate to. Plus, it's an extra... Uh, half of a mile higher than these two than these three cities i just named but here in utah i thought luke had that when especially when he was talking about it i figured why would he talk about it if he doesn't have that set to go but he he got tired early and i don't know if that's due to old age because i've seen a lot of fighters even in old age still be able to go out there and and not be huffing and puffing you know that early into a fight so mm-hmm. could he have possibly cut corners you know i i don't know man that's i'd love to ask him those questions yeah, maybe fighting through injuries or something, but I think the UFC is better with him. I, I'd I'd love to have him around at least for a couple more, but we'll see. What what he whatever he did at the end to dig deep like that, 
when he was clearly out and he probably could have just tapped, you know, or whatever. I mean, he just kept going and throwing punches. And I, 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 I could see it in Dana White's eyes, man. He was like, that's not even though he and him and I are butting heads and he's talking about my company. Now's not the time. I'm going to give him a ton of respect. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because he what, what he saw that night was rare, dude. L- like Luke really, really dug deep to finish the fight, to compete. He kept throwing. And, you know, even though he was not getting the better of some of those exchanges, he was out there. And then at the very end, when he put his blood all over him, like that was some savagery right there. So I think you're right, Ghost. I think if he if he were to walk into the uh, UFC offices and just go, hey, what was said was said. I want to be with you guys for another four fights. I, I think they would sign him. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I hope he's around for at least one more. Just one more fight? Well, yeah, because, I mean, unless we get to the bottom of what really happened in this fight, because he can't. He can't go out there and fight like that, you know. He had a round in him, basically. Because look, look at the shape that he's in compared to DC. Not to take a shot at DC, because he always seems to be the easy target, right, for everybody. Um, but DC in his forties still could fight five rounds if he needed to, and Luke barely has an ounce of fat in him. In a round and a half, and he's gassing. Something ain't right. They come from the same camp. Something ain't right. You know, they they didn't. He didn't camp the whole time with AK. I know he jumps around at Sanford and down south with Jason Perillo. So is that something he didn't do? You know, what 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 didn't he do? I don't know. I'd love to. And I've seen him go, like I say, 25 minutes over at Strike Force. I've seen him have some good, good fights in the UFC. Something was off in that regard. You can't just attribute that to being old because, like I said, he's three years younger than DC. Yeah, no, I don't know. I hope they resign him. But all right, let's get back to the topic of middleweights, except we'll apply it to UFC Paris. Robert Whitaker goes, looked amazing. And Robert Whitaker looked amazing. And it kind of almost used, like if this was football, it's like he used like five plays. You know what I mean? He jabbed, he jabbed cross, he threw a high kick, and he kind of did the stutter step where he would kind of kick you in the knee. Uh, a little bit, whether it was like a linear kick or just trying to like push you back, you know, a little bit. He really didn't do too much. Sometimes he would just do a straight right, and it was all straight and right down the pipe, and it was all well, well timed. I mean, he looked a lot faster than Marvin Vittori. It looked like Marvin Vittori was like half of a second behind on everything. He just couldn't catch up to Robert Whitaker. And Robert Whitaker really, really hurt him. Um, I knew, well, nah, I picked Whitaker to, to win. I, I was pretty sure he was going to win because he'd have the speed. But I didn't think he could do it using very little diversity with his attack. It was successful, though. I, I want to go out and say I don't even know. I don't even think Marvin Vittori really fought like a bad fight. I just thought, just thought Bobby Knuckles fought an incredible fight. Uh, Vittori tried, but he just didn't really. I don't even know that it's that he didn't have the adjustment for it. I just, I just think he just didn't have uh, the tools to do it. Well, only one guy really has the tools to beat Robert Whitaker, right? And that's Israel Adesanya. Mm-hmm. If I'm Marvin, like you could see the frustration on Marvin Vittori's face 
I don't even know what to tell him. I mean, I guess go back in the gym and maybe work wrestling for a year or something so that, so that you can. But who takes down Robert Whitaker anyway, right? Like, So I, I wouldn't even know where to start with that kid. But for uh, Robert Whitaker, that was an amazing performance. I'll tell you who always had the answer was GSP. GSP fought guys that wrestled all their lives and accomplished real, real big things in, in the sport of wrestling. But GSP's timing was impeccable. If I'm Marvin Vittori, I don't want to strike with Robert Whitaker or Israel Adesanya ever again, mm-hmm. only as long as I have to. But what I do want to do is be able to take them down, and a lot of it can be based off of timing. You know, you obviously have to have the right techniques as well. But I remember GSP would really, really have some nice timing on some of his takedowns. And once he got him there, he had a strong base. He would keep the fighters down. Um but yeah, Vittori's super tough, great chin. He took a lot of those kicks upside the head. Um, but he, there was times that he was punching, and I can't even say, oh, um, Whitaker takes a great punch. He was he, he was flat out missing. He was whiffing on some, or Whitaker was slipping some, or Whitaker was just stepping out of the range of some. And I think a lot of it had to do with Whitaker's quick, and and Vittori isn't. But only versus Whitaker and Israel Adesanya. Against other fighters, he's fine. But those two are exceptionally fast. Yeah, yeah, dude. That was. I mean, you're and you're right. Uh, a lot of people give GSP his credit for his timing, which is number one, I think, there in his arsenal. But what he used to do once he got you down, being on top of you, and really just keeping you there was was pretty damn amazing. So yeah, I don't I don't know what's in front of Bobby Knuckles now. Like as far as who could really give him a challenge outside of Israel Adesanya? I, I don't believe, like, even when you look at those two, if anything, Marvin Matori looked like maybe he could go up. But but Robert Whitaker did not. Robert Whitaker looked like he was barely hanging on the middleweight, but should actually be a welterweight. Yeah, that's what I tweeted. I said, get with Dolce Diet, and at least while Israel Adesanya is champ, See if you can get back to welterweight rather than go to light heavyweight. You saw Israel Adesanya go to light heavyweight, man. Saw what happened to him. That's another 20 pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I, it, speaking of Luke Rockhold, when he went and fought Jan Blachowicz, Jan Blachowicz checked him. When Chris Weidman went up and fought, who was it, Gustafson or somebody? Somebody checked Weidman. And, and those are taller middleweights, you know, like Robert Whitaker, who does have some wrestling and is probably faster than the other two. He's going to give up a lot in size, man. I think once seeing Jose Aldo and uh, Edson Barbosa go through it, I know Robert Whitaker can go through it because he's gone through it before. It's not going to be easy. And I would only do it to maybe go straight into a title shot, you know, and he carries, I think he carries enough clout, enough capital, enough equity in his, you know, in his career that if the timing's right, he can get in there. I think Dana White would promote the winner of Kamaru, Versus Edwards, especially if it's Kamaru. If it's Edwards, that opens things up for Masvidal and Covington, to be fair. And maybe Shimeyev, if Shimeyev styles on on Diaz. But if Kamaru wins, Kamaru's already beaten uh, Masvidal twice, Covington twice. Sure, the Shimeyev fight's there. Um, Edwards will be in the rear of mirror because now he's 2-1 two, two to one over him. He already beat, beat Gilbert Burns. I bet you he'd be... I bet you Dana White would promote Whitaker versus... Omar Usman, yeah, no, for sure. I think that's a that's a very interesting scenario that I think would really get the fans going. 
he could pull it off. Yeah. Now, if Israel Adesanya loses to Pajeda, then, you know, it's, it's a whole new ball game, right? But it's hard to believe that Israel Adesanya wouldn't get an instant rematch. So let's say he loses to Pajeda in November. And I'm not saying he is. I'm going to take Israel Adesanya in that fight. But let's say say he does. Well, using the, the rule of take one month off, fight three months later. If you fight November, you take December off, January, February, by March. I think March would be the rematch of Israel Adesanya versus um, Alex Pajeda. Take one month off, April, May, June, July. The soonest Whitaker could fight Pajeda. If Pajeda were to win two in a row versus Israel Adesanya, it would be next July. Would he want to wait almost the whole year? I mean, maybe, but not, there's no promises of what might happen between now and then. You know, that's why Dana White says it just doesn't pay off the wait. I mean, other stuff might happen. Yeah. You brought um, up you brought up GSP for a second. He was there, right? Overall, this whole thing in France, uh, a lot of stars came out, a lot of star power for the UFC. It looked like a lot of uh, celebrities in the crowd. But looking at GSP, he's done, right? Oh, he just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah he, he just looked like uh, he looked pretty light. I mean, I know he still trains and does all that, and they always say for the right fight, maybe. But to me, I, I felt like I was looking at a guy that, that that was it. Yeah, now he's 41. I looked him up. He's 41. Like, not even yeah. boxing or any of it. Like, none of that. Like, he's just done, I think. Man, if he gets one of those little layup fights, like, you see what Mayweather is able to negotiate. He's going out to Ryzen, and he fights these matchups, you know, against popular Japanese athletes or whoever in boxing. Like, he just doesn't really expose himself too much. And even Conor McGregor was a safe fight for Floyd Mayweather. So, <coughs> excuse me, if GSP were to find something like that, let's say he's, let's say in Saudi Arabia they were to pay him $10 million to fight. Um, another aging star. I don't want to pick on somebody, but we'll say Ben Askren. I think GSP would go okay, you know, and they, somebody who's kind of retired, hasn't fought in a few years, similar to my age, my skills at my peak versus their skills at their peak. I feel comfortable, you know. Maybe someone like him. I guess he would say okay for probably ten million, sure. But yeah, no, I got to figure he's done, especially in the UFC. He's got to be done. Um, I don't think he wants to fight Edwards or or uh, Usman. Although of the two, I think he'd prefer to fight Edwards. And then middleweight, you know what? I wonder if he thinks that Israel Adesanya would be easy to take down with one of his well-timed takedowns. I don't know. No, but I don't think he wants to fight again. But he looked good. Um, Francis was there. That was cool. Kamar Usman was there. Apparently, France, Paris, France brought it. Just as loud as London, England. So, congrats to the the Parisians. I thought overall it was a decent fight card. It got slow from time to time for me. Uh, because, you know, they tried to focus on obviously a lot of French fighters, which don't really have that much experience in the UFC. And, uh, and then, you know, you would have your Italians, your Germans, you know, the surrounding countries here and there. So... It, it was a little slow at times for me, but boy, the the last two fights, the co-main event was okay, but the main event was, was fantastic, and I, I think that's what wrapped everything up for me. 
Let me ask you something else, Ghost, because you pitched this as a spinning backclick topic, and I'm not sure it might make the cut. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it does, then that's fine. But could it be that we just reached, whether it was the end of August or September 1, we reached our, as a fan, as a human being, you start to press the limits of your excitement. Here's what I'm getting at. Remember I told you, boy, did I have a great week. This was the last week for transfers for soccer, and Manchester United signed a guy named Anthony, who, by the way, scored today. That was huge. Then on Thursday, Manchester United won. Great. On Friday, my high school, modern day, number team, number one team in the nation. They played the number six team in the nation. They won. On Saturday, USC, they stormed um, against Rice, 66-14. And then today, Manchester United won again. So could it be that it's not that the Paris fight fight night was any less than London or Singapore? It's just you get spread thin, man, once you get into the fall because of the, the two footballs, soccer and the three levels of football. And then, you know, it's the end of summer. Like, because I was trying to think the it, it, inside the arena, they said the, the French were there early, first fight, it was loud and everything. But yet it did seem like people were talking way more about London than they mm-hmm. were about this fight card. And London ended in that disaster with the uh, was it Blades and Aspinall? Like mm-hmm. it was some of the fights on the undercard that kind of carried it. Yeah, the, it didn't seem the arena didn't seem as loud to me as other debuts, but uh, yeah, it could be it could be some of that. I, I think it's also just it's nice that it was early in the day. I love those, but uh, it could be just these cards just kind of drag on sometimes. You know, it, it takes a lot of your time. And if they're not getting your full attention on a weekend, you're gonna kind of move on to other things and come right back. I, I don't know. I think one. I think one fight I even snoozed in the middle of what. Of the- <laughs> no, I think I did too. So let's go over the results real quick. Things started off with Stephanie Egger, who, if you remember, was the lady that kind of didn't acknowledge tapping uh, about a month ago. Was it Myra Buena Silva or one of those? Brazilian chicks was saying, no, nah, I tapped her, I tapped her. And the other one was just like shrugging her shoulders like, no, nope, I don't know. I'm just here. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, that that was Stephanie Egger. So she took a fight on short notice. She beat Aline Perez. Uh, this happened at Featherweight. Christian Quinones, nice TKO stoppage of Khalid Taha. Uh, Bantamweight's there. Benoit Saint-Denis. Ben- Benoit, probably Saint-Denis, defeated Gabriel Miranda. Another stoppage there. Crowd went nuts. Faraz Ziam defeated Michelle Figlak. Um, Nazrat Hakparas defeated John McDessie. You know, those guys kind of went at it, even though it went to a decision. Abus Magomedov looked great against Dustin Stolzfus, Germany mm-hmm. in the house. Nathaniel Wood defeated Charles Jordan. See, this fight I thought mm-hmm. was going to be fight of the night, and it was a fun fight. But Nathaniel Wood kind of took over the fight a little earlier than I thought he would, if he would at all. I thought it was going to be Jordan's night, to be honest. And Wood took it to him, man. But that went to a decision. So did William Gomes against uh, Jarno Ahrens. And then Roman Kapilov back to stoppages. He got one against Alessio DeShikaro. Who, by the way, I think this is the guy that said, hey, why does so much attention go to the winner? The losers should get some attention, too. It's like we put the losers on the back burner and don't want to talk to them. Well, yeah, because what happened to you, pal? I mean, do you really want to talk? Do you have much to say after a fight like that? 
I, I think he said this after beating Buckley like about a year and a half ago. I never really made sense of it, you know, like why he went down that road. A, you might be really, really hurt and concussed. B, what is there to say? It's the other guy's night, you know, but whatever. Um, Nasruddin Imavov beat Joaquin Buckley. That was a great fight, man. I thought Buckley was going to pull through, um, but it was Imavov's night. And then we got to Whitaker and, and Gone, of course. The bonuses went to Gone versus Tuivasa for fight of the night. I believe they stole that from Buckley and Imavov because I thought Buckley and Imavov were in the pole position when they stole it from Wood and Jordan. Um, and then uh, Gone and Gone and Tuivasa got fight of the night, performance of the night, uh, went to Mago Madoff and BSD, Benoit Saint-Denis. So here's another thing where I'm confused. If the crowd was into it and they loved it just as much as London, England, where every finisher got a bonus, why didn't every finisher get a bonus in Paris, France? It wouldn't have even been that expensive because the only ones that were left out were Kapalov and Quinones. And that's it. That's all they would have to do. Is Dana White would have to say, you know what? Sick debut in Paris, France. Everyone gets a everyone that finished gets a bonus. And I think everybody went would have been extremely happy. Would have cost him an extra hundred grand, but he didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I mean probably just wasn't thinking. I don't know. Um anything stood out to you from the Imovov win, the Kapalov win, Gomis or Nathaniel Wood wins. Yeah, Nathaniel Wood, man. When he puts things, when he puts it all together, he looks pretty damn tough. And, you know, he's still a young kid. So I think he's going to be a name that we're going to be talking about for some time. Yeah. And so now he's fighting at Featherweight. That's two in a row for him at Featherweight. He's taking out Rosa and Jordan. Says he feels a lot better, a lot stronger. I still feel like. He may return to Bantamweight one day, guys, because I I don't know that he's going to be the biggest featherweight. But, mm-hmm. hey, so far, so good. He's playing with house money at this point. The um, champ isn't the biggest featherweight, which is weird because he true. wants to be a lightweight. True, yeah. But he's just rock solid, you know what I mean? And he's got that unusually long reach for being a short guy. And he took an L the other day against Hasbulla. Took a cheeseburger right to the fucking face. Yeah. That's like the oldest trick. Usually it's like, you know, something smells and then they push the back of your head into a cake or something like that. But in this case, he got him distracted to smell a drink and then boom, he's, he slammed that burger or whatever that was. You actually taught me that one, but you taught it to me a different way, which I think is more effective and you're less of a jerk. What you do is you take a cake and you say, hey, something smells, there's something weird here. It doesn't smell good. Yeah. Somebody will always go down. And then all you do is just move the cake up into their face versus yeah. the whole, you know, like, which I guess we, we're barely blowing on candles on cakes now because of COVID and all that. So I doubt anybody wants an entire cake ruined by somebody's mug. But, but yeah, I mean, you got to at least do it once in your life. Everyone invites that one guy or gal, usually a guy though. That says, hold on a second, I'll get to the bottom of this. So that's all you got to do is just play it off and say, something don't smell right. Hold on a second, who made this cake? Something don't smell right. And then here comes somebody that took a cooking class or just likes this mm-hmm. problem solve. Hold on, let me look. And then boom, you get them. Yep. Um, 
Well, all I want to say is I uh, I was I wanted Jordan to win. I mean, I, I think he's a uh, French Canadian, but he's still they, they they look like the French were popping for him. I wanted Buckley to come back against Imavov, but Imavov was gutsy, man. You know, he did what he had to do. And then on the undercard, that Abus Magomedov, he looks tough. He really does. He looks tough and confident. I don't think Stolzfus is the toughest out at middleweight, but either way, I know that this guy's been big over at KSW and all that, so there's a lot of promise to him, but he looked impressive for all 19 seconds that he was in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought McDessey and Hackpress was going to be a little closer, but um, McDessey kind of went back to being one of those guys. It's just he doesn't go over the speed limit. You know, it's like 70 is the speed limit. I'm going to mess around at 60, 65 when I have to. Maybe go 70 or 75 just to win around. But And then all of a sudden at the end of the fight, it's like, well, what, what just happened? You know, but Hackpress is a guy I liked a lot early on. And then when he started fighting tougher competition, he kind of went away and off my radar a little bit. But he looked um, good here, though. He did look good, yeah. Like, like as in, uh, as in, he made some improvements. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so that was your UFC Paris card, and um, I imagine they'll be back. Now, one story that came out of the card in Paris is when Cyril Gon defeated Tai Tuivasa. Apparently, in part of the finishing sequence, gone hammer fisted him in the back of the head. They talked about it on the broadcast. I saw it. I didn't think much of it because no one bitched about it and it all happened so fast. But when I see it back on Twitter, and the one screaming the loudest is JDS, who also had his accusations of the same thing happened to him multiple times in his fight versus gone. You know, maybe he had a case. Maybe maybe he had a case. Maybe Tuivasa, if he knew what ha- had happened, might have a case. Um, it's a clear punch. Like, he's kind of Donkey Konging frontward, the hammer fist. And he's doing it at an angle where you're not really going to... I mean, unless you're trying to, like, slice the ear off, you're, what you're usually trying to do is get a piece of that ear, and that's when it becomes a legal shot. But how are you going to do that if you're hammer fisting downward and the person's head is looking down to the mat and you, you can kind of only hit the back of the head at that point. So it's almost careless. It is, especially uh, after the stink JDS made in his fight, I would have imagined that we wouldn't see that again. It's one hell of a shot, man. And if you just want to toy around and kind of tap yourself in that area of your head, it does kind of jack you up a little bit. So he would have had a case, but there was so much going on that I don't even think he, he he really was able to tell like hey this hit me in the back i think he was just taking a lot of shots yeah by then he was pretty much completely done but um you know it's something that i bet you the next fighter is definitely going to bring up i don't surreal gone doesn't strike me as being in any way a dirty fighter or a a controversial person you know like in the way he conducts himself so hopefully it's just something that never happens again but that is twice now, so we'll see. But to me, it strikes me as somebody that wants to go in and get a clean knockout. Mm-hmm. He wants a shot at Nganu. Do you give it to him right away? I, I think that I, I know we keep saying it over and over, but we really don't know the futures of Miocic and Jones. But I still feel like those two are ahead of 
Cyril Gon versus um, Francis Ngannou matchup. I'll put it to you this way. Let's just say everyone's healthy, all right? Ngannou, the knee, Jones, contract sign, Miocic, ready to go, and Gon comes out of this fight healthy. And now they walk up to Francis Ngannou and go, okay, champ, um, we like to sell tickets over here, but at the same time, we want to get your input. Who do you want? I think Ngannou would go, give me Jones. I right. think he'd go, give me Jones, because it's a big fight, and the UFC would be happy, and boom. So I have to believe John Jones is the leader for the next shot at Francis Ngannou. But let's say he goes, give me Jones, but the UFC goes, ah, he's being difficult. Now you're left with Gon and Miocic. I think he'd say, let's settle the trilogy, which is Miocic, before I have to fight Gon again, because Gon's the last guy I just fought. So mm-hmm. he's kind of in my rearview mirror a little bit. Kudos to him. Props to him. Nice win over Tuivasa. Hats off. But still, I would I think he would say, give me Miocic. So what I'm trying to get at is, even though Gon wants Ngannou again, I think he's going to have to take another fight. Possibly. I think what, what all this comes down to, unfortunately, are just politics with the UFC. You know, if they can settle with Francis Ngannou and get on the same page with him, then, yeah, I would say they probably do uh, – they probably would do John Jones versus uh, Stipe Miocic and the winner do that. Because I do feel like right now the biggest challenge for Francis Ngannou, even though he just beat him, is probably Surreal gone. If the mm-hmm. UFC wants to beat him, I think that's the guy that they put in front of him. Um, they want to make money. They want to put John Jones in that position. But really, it, it might just come down to they're all a pain in the ass and whoever gives the least uh, amount of problems, you know, as far as this is how much I want to get paid. This is where I want it. That might just be the guy that ends up getting it because all three of them have a pretty decent case. Yeah, and now that now the Tai Tuivasa sweepstakes are over, I definitely thought he might have a shot if he could be gone, but mm-hmm. he's gonna have to step aside and we'll see what uh how all this plays out. Um but as of right now, we haven't heard anything about Francis Ngannou and what might be next for him. But I, I still believe Gon. My, my point more than anything is that I think Gon will have to take another fight. Maybe uh, Curtis Blades or somebody. He's the one that beat Aspinall when Aspinall got hurt. So maybe that that pairing might make sense. Gone just in the last 36 months goes is like eight and one, dude. Like, yeah, I was just about to say, or maybe a round. Good, yeah. Yeah, because he, he's been real active. Yeah. Um, All right. So let's just turn the page real fast before we get out of here. This Saturday goes and I'll be hosting a watch along here on MMA Junkie UFC 279. It starts at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for the watch along. Now, those are four prelims where we get to watch the fights with you guys. But you guys get to watch them because they're free and available on usually on ESPN, ABC, ESPN2, one of those. It's always a nice lead into the pay-per-view. Now, the pay-per-view is tougher. You got to decide whether you want to pay 75 bucks or not. If you do, great. Watch it along with us. If not, let us be your eyes and ears. Join us at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific for the watch-along. We'll tell you exactly what's happening in real time. You can hang out in the chat room with some other hardcore junkies. You can uh, participate in the Twitter, the, uh, the 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 tweets that are available there on the on the page. Um and you know the the chat i guess that's being conducted you know from all of us tweeting and uh it's really really a fun time and there's also a pre-fight show at 5 p.m eastern 2 p.m pacific with fada hanun so that'll prep you for the fights themselves again that's on saturday we'll give you a lot of reminders about that um goes this is the final week possibly of nate diaz as a ufc fighter yeah 
depending on what happens, there's so many different scenarios that you can play around with. Um, the question is, does the UFC want him to remain a fighter with the UFC? Probably, but they want it under their rules. And I just think Nate Diaz right now is done playing by other people's rules. And what he wants is his freedom. So he has options. We don't know how long those, op- those options will be available. He did uh, announce he's going to be starting his own fight promotion, which is pretty interesting today. So we'll have to see what happens there. But uh, I don't know. I My guess is uh, I think we have probably seen the last of Nate Diaz, especially if he loses. If he loses, I don't think it's going to be close. I think I think he's going to get stomped out. I personally, I think I'll have one moment. But uh, other than that, this uh, Hamzat Shemaev is pretty damn tough. I think as long as Connor's around, Nate can still fight in the UFC. Not just Connor. I think him versus Dustin has enough heat that people would want to really want watch that one as well. But if they didn't do Dustin and Nate now, then what leads me to believe they could do it with him by starting over again, you know? And then plus, one Nate's, once Nate gets out, if he turns in the, that paperwork where you're either retired or wherever or until you sign up with a new promotion, then you got to figure out if you bow out of the USADA program or not. I'll give you an example. I think to this day, Uriah Faber still is in the testing pool. So that way, if something pops up, he can fight. But once you're out, you got to do what Henry Cejudo's doing right now and go through six months of it, you know, and that's not easy. Well, not that it's not easy. It just takes a while. Yeah, Yeah, it takes time. And so you can't just jump into a fight where all of a sudden, you know, McGregor and Nate Diaz won, how that got made in 10 days. It wouldn't happen. The confusing part is you're hearing these rumblings of a Jake Paul Anderson Silva fight. And I'm thinking, why would those rumblings be out there when we're only a few days away from finding out about Diaz and Shemaev? And I would think Jake Paul, the number one guy he would want to fight other than Conor McGregor is Nate Diaz. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, well, yeah. Yeah, it's got to be. I was going to say, Masvidal would be interesting too. But I think there's more risk in that. Exactly. So who knows what to believe? Nothing's official on that end. That's just some rumblings that we've been hearing. But I want to ask you this. If Shemaev says, guess what? I'm not going to wrestle. I'm just going to stand. Now what are Diaz's chances in that fight? They are better, but it's not like at the end of every uh, Nate Diaz fight, he's not all banged up and hasn't been touched. He gets cracked too. So uh, the, the difference is I think uh, Hamzat's striking is more power than it is technical. So... Uh, I mean, definitely have a better chance there, I think. And Burns cracks harder than Diaz. He may not be as polished, but he cracks harder, Mm -hmm. and that's why he was able to hurt Shemaev. But if Shemaev is stubborn and just wants to kickbox, man, as the fight gets further, he may get a moment or two, like you said, just like it happened in the Edwards fight when Edwards got hit by Diaz uh, towards the end of round five. But this is us reaching. This is us pretending like Shemaev really doesn't want to wrestle. He loves to wrestle. He loves to smash people. Therefore, this this weekend, I don't know, man. Uh, unless I see a lot of talk online or maybe some gentleman's agreement, and and they're gonna settle it like gangsters, but on their feet. Ooh, I just don't like Diaz's chances against Shemaev. I'm basically just basically playing the nostalgic role or um, angle, I should say, or maybe convincing me that. 
Diaz can knock him down and then jump on his back or something like that. Who knows? But all that I know is highly unlikely. I I think he might have a moment, but yeah, for the most part, it, this should not be a Nate Diaz night. We'll find out on Saturday, and hopefully, you guys can join us for that watch along. Keep an eye on our social media. Goes is at the goes on Instagram and Twitter, and I'm at MMA Junkie George on Instagram and Twitter. So we'll be putting on lots of promotion, lots of uh, lots of uh, tweets and posts on social media. Kindly, if you can, retweet, share that, so we can get a lot of people for get a lot of people together for our watch along on Saturday. All right, folks, for now, we're going to bounce out. Hopefully you enjoyed today's show. Thank you, as always, for your support. We'll talk to you soon. Don't forget to keep an eye on a spinning back click every Tuesday dropping on the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video, where you can see more of Goes and I. Otherwise, we'll join you on Thursday. Go out and be a champion. <laughs>